0: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anna Jarrett Levine studios. This is
1: Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane pick the Jags here, because once again, C- Seattle does not scare me on paper with Geno Smith.
2: <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I think the Jags are on the come. They're a lot better than the, the way they started. The offense is going to keep scoring, uh, especially in Seattle. If their defense isn't special and their offense isn't special, so give me the Jags plus three and a half.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry, Jags. I got caught up in crypto world.
2: <laughs> I made a list. Of some fictional people that should be playing quarterback for Seattle that were not Geno Smith. So I'm going to stick by it. I can't believe it. We're all picking the Jags plus three and a
1: half. First of all, <laughs>
0: that's a great laugh, Murphy. Get you that guy know. a lozenge.
1: Because <laughs> awesome. he
0: sounded a little hoarse.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: man. I was going to say, I was like, I don't remember picking the Jags in my picks but i guess i did for the three and a half <laughs> oh i know
1: i was so confident too and i never picked the jaguars but here i go yeah making a fool of myself as usual dang it that means i didn't do i i, I forgot i picked the jags the three and a half. Yeah. that means i didn't do well in
0: the picks at all gosh I, I felt good about my picks yesterday like halfway through the day i had indianapolis looking good because I, I, I do this one with i have to pick six of them yeah i lost arizona on thursday night mm-hmm. and then uh, I had a couple other ones in play, and I was like, "Okay, I'm feeling pretty good." Cincinnati was up 11 on on the Jets. Yeah, feeling good. Yeah, Houston is getting throttled, 38 to nothing. Yeah, uh, Indianapolis is up 14 nothing early and still has a chance to win, and then goes back and ties it even after the disaster of Wentz. And Think they, me and Casey had
1: that one. Tennessee could call their Casey. Yeah. Oh yeah, so they
0: like he didn't yep. deserve to win that game. He's gonna but win. Yeah. Gonna yeah. And, uh, and then even Tampa. I mean, I
2: got Brady going down. He throws a pick six. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah. So, yeah, the picks this week were rough. Three, oh, they, were, they were hard. It's been rough year, Casey. I mean, not rough for everybody. Three of the competitors were two and four. One of the competitors was four and two. So, where
0: were you? Four and two? Of course. Oh, nicely um, done. He's pulling away now. Nicely done, Casey. Starting to pull away. It's a good thing because after his fantasy whooping Ooh, that he's getting dude, right now, dude,
2: two touchdowns <laughs> taken off the board. This is ridiculous. I know, man. Welcome this is football, ridiculous.
0: Casey. Welcome to Fantasy Football, Casey. It is. I had two of them. Yeah. And he lo- loses James Robinson for the game. That's right. Well, yep. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> Not <too laughs> cool. No, <too laughs> <cool. laughs> <laughs> nah, it's cool. cool. Yeah, at least we're laughing. You know who's not laughing today? Anybody in that Jags building. Yeah. Because that was uh, embarrassing and bad. Listen, we've seen it before over the years. It's, a <laughs> it's not like the first time I've ever done a show where the Jags look so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a bit unexpected, and the more and more I deep dive into it, maybe shame on us. Maybe maybe we should have seen that coming a little bit more. You know, Bill Belichick gets a lot of credit for what he does against young quarterbacks and how he changes things up, and look what he did against Herbert yesterday. Herbert all of a sudden looking a little normal uh, the last couple of times out. but. Maybe we don't give enough credit to a guy like Pete Carroll who evolves his defense through the years. And and I kind of chalked up them playing decent defense last week to the fact that, well, the Saints offensively aren't anything dynamic. And also, it was wet out. You know, the weather wasn't great. Yeah. But maybe should have given Pete Carroll a little bit more credit for figuring stuff out over the years on his defense, even when they weren't unbelievable right off the jump, and also against a rookie quarterback. Because... I I will say this. I don't think anybody played well around Trevor, but I thought Trevor looked the most out of sync I've seen him yet. Like, he looked like he wasn't seeing things as quickly and processing quickly. Now, I blame the offensive line for a lot of that, too. I mean, he had no time. I mean, getting to his back foot was a difficult thing. They got absolutely whooped. Uh, And this was even before they were down big. I mean, they got whooped on the offensive line, Mm -hmm. I thought, yesterday and in the trenches. So, uh, But I probably didn't give Carroll enough credit for his ability to do what he did and they did against the, the Jaguars' offense, especially when you take James Robinson off
1: the field. So what you're saying is the Jaguars didn't lose, the Seahawks won. Uh, no, the Jags did plenty to okay. lose. Okay, good. I'm <laughs> thinking we're on the same page right now. No, because, but, but I, no, I
0: mean, they definitely listen. But I think Pete Carroll, my, my big part, if you watched me on Twitter yesterday, and I'm the last guy <laughs> in town usually to just, I think it's a player's game. Okay, I think the NFL is a player's game. I think most of the people that are, they coach and they know football and you, you got to go play. You mm-hmm. know, players make the plays. I think this one was all on the coaching staff. I yeah. really do. I thought they got absolutely blitzed by Carroll and his staff. And I thought it was just so lopsided in what Seattle did versus what the Jags did yesterday. Yeah, the players didn't play that well, but I'm just not sure they even had much of a chance yesterday.
1: So, you know, this was my worry going into that game. Was there was two sides of this. There was the Seattle Seahawks, the team on paper, which I'll be honest, they still don't frighten me without Russell Wilson. And then there was the part where you have to get ready. You travel into the West Coast, first year coach. How is he prepare them after the bye week? And we saw how they were prepared. Now, shout out to the Jaguars because my son was waiting to go to you know trick or treating and everything. And we had I had to watch the game because you know got to do my job. But it as it's halftime, I'm like, hey, son, you know what? Let's go. Let's go trick or treating. Like, he, he was waiting like it was, like, the NFL draft. He waiting that phone call. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, dude, guess what? Hey, got a little surprise for you. Jaguars ain't coming back in this yeah. game. We're going early. recent so, peanut butter so, cup oh, isn't yeah. going to call. Oh, We're so, going to go get him. Yeah, <laughs> so he was excited. Like, he was pumped up. I'm, you know, a little frustrated. I'm, I'm watching the game on my cell phone, taking him house to house. You know, maybe swearing a little bit, wondering where the coverage is. But you saw the very first play of the game when they're on defense. And I allude to a play where Calevon Chason was on the line of scrimmage. They go in motion, and all of a sudden he gets up, he stands up, and he, he drops back, and there's nobody at the line of scrimmage to defend Madge. And, and they run the, as the first play of the game mm-hmm. for the Seahawks offense. They run for, like, an eight-yard gain. I'm like, okay, well, there's a miscommunication. Not off to a good start, and it snowballed, and it trickled from there. This was just a classic example of this team was not on the right page. And once again, with all due respect to Geno Smith, that guy shouldn't beat you. Geno Smith should not go out there and look like the reincarnation of, of Drew Brees, hitting what, fifteen passes in a row, whatever it was. This team just it was they were not prepared. They did not come ready to play. And it's frustrating because, okay, I get Pete Carroll's a great coach. So be it. They have great players. I understand that. But the way that it looked yesterday, it's not supposed to look like that. We always talk about parody in the NFL. Watch New York Jets game yesterday. New York Jets somehow with a guy by the name of Mike White, who sounds made up, doesn't sound like a real quarterback name, beat the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the one seed in the AFC. This is a league of parity. And week in and week out, when the Jaguars are playing in, you know, in a losing kind of game, they can't get it done, and it's not even close. That's the frustrating part for me right now
0: with this team. Yeah, it is. And, uh, listen, I know the Jags have deficiencies. I don't even – I think everybody in town knows the Jags have deficiencies. I don't think anybody's, like, pie in the sky. They should go beat everybody. I think this Seattle team is very average overall. I I do. I I think uh, everybody – knows that in the NFC West now. I think across the league, if you have Geno Smith uh, going as your quarterback, you probably don't have a Seattle team that's going to scare you. When Russell Wilson comes back, he will always scare you. I mean, he should. He's he's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. But as long as this team has Geno Smith, then they're just an okay team by NFL standards. They are not like the Rams to Houston, all right? The Rams beating Houston, that's the way Houston is built right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. to see the, the way the Rams are built, 38 to nothing, they're on a different level. The Bills coming in here next week, not just because of this game, but even versus what the Jaguars currently are, where the Bills are, all right, I could see you getting blown out. I really could. Like, that is, there's some separation sometimes in the NFL. There's a lot of parity, like you mentioned, the Jets and Cincy. Uh, the Jags and Cincy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's parity there. Those are, those are normal games. There's also like an echelon sometimes where you get a handful of teams that are really, really good and veteran and got the QBs, and then you got a handful of teams trying to find their way still. Well, the Bills versus the Jags might be in that category. Seattle and the Jags, not in that category. And so I thought they were lethargic. I thought they were bad from the get-go. Uh, I thought they got out-coached. I thought their offense stunk. I thought their defense stunk. I thought their special teams stunk. I mean, they're, they're, they were brutal. I mean, it was a bad football game. And to your point, it shouldn't happen. It should not look like that in the NFL. And by the way, it's now looked like that twice. It's looked like that against Houston, mm-hmm. who quite frankly, you're probably better than. And you allowed you, you, you looked so bad and you coached so poorly and you couldn't line up and your communication was so bad that you didn't even give yourself a chance against a bad football team. Well, yesterday, same deal. You couldn't line up properly. You had too many men on the field. You got out coached so poor, bad that you really didn't give yourself a chance to win the football game. And then you add other things like James Robinson not coming in, you know, being out most of the game and and Trevor being a rookie. And he kind of felt like he had one of those rookie games and all of those Then the mismatches they had on the outside. Well, then you get the score you got, but uh, you got to get beyond even the second half of that. This was a mess from the jump, uh, mostly because it started with the coaching. I don't know why. Uh, I think people have to understand this too. You get a bye week. The bye week is mostly for the coaches to get a little bit of an advantage. Then it is the players, right? Well,
1: I mean, the, the players across the, players the league get the physical advantage because they can't have time to rest. They get to get time to their bodies. Yeah, yes. uh, but. They don't
0: practice extra. <laughs> no, know, no, no. That's the thing. That's across the NFL. This isn't one of those deals where, uh, like, uh, Ty asked me that. Like, I think some people were like, well, oh, didn't they practice? So not they get extra practice? No, they go, go away. They get a break. Like, everybody in the NFL does that. That's not just the Jags. Uh, but the coaching staff is really supposed to go find things that they can come out of the bye week with and say, boom, you haven't seen this yet, right? Yeah. We found what we're good at. Let's keep doing this. Right. And let's not change our whole team, but let's do this better and we can do this more. And we know what to hit now. We know who we are as a football team. I mean, I couldn't even get the right amount of people on the field. I mean, they had nobody to block for Jamal Agnew on a kickoff one time. Mm -hmm. There was nobody to block for Jamal Agnew on a kickoff. I've never seen that. There were three Seattle Seahawks, and I didn't even see a, a, a Jag player in sight yeah. uh, on that. And by the way, that guy's good. Like, if you block for him, he might break it and take it to the house. So there was a myriad of issues, man, and I just think it all started with coaching. And I'm, I'm usually the last guy in town to go coach, 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 but that was a coaching mismatch. And they got to figure that out now With off two long breaks with a lot of preparation time. The season opener and this one, they have looked at their worst. Yeah. I don't get
2: that.
1: Yeah, I mean, so if you want to talk about the defensive side of things, Casey, how many times did I say Tyler Lockett's going to have a big day?
2: I don't know. A few. Probably,
1: probably a baker's dozen. It's gotten to the point now where you know how teams are going to beat the Jacksonville Jack. Okay, like if I was Pete Carroll, I probably would have ran the ball with Alex Collins and said, okay, I mean, I get they're vulnerable in the secondary, but this is Geno Smith here. Let's not put the game in Geno Smith's hands. How much can we really trust him? Let's get a good dose of the running game. Let's play good Seattle Seahawks defense and let's see what happens. No, they said let's throw a Tyler Lockett 12 times a game and see what happens. And guess what? And good for Casey's fantasy football team, by the way. Not enough. But but it worked out well. And this is kind of the trend that you're seeing now how to beat this defense. Anybody who lines up in the slot is going to feast. It's as simple as that. And then occasionally you can take your home run ball with DK Metcalf or somebody like that from the one position. That's just the way it is right now, and this team can't stop it. This team knows that it's coming, and it can't stop it. So whether it's a fact that you don't have the proper personnel or it's just schematically it's just not making sense right now, it's not working – but there's got to be a change with that as well, because Cole Bees is going to come in here and say, all right, I'll, I'll go and take my two touchdowns. I'll go and take my 12 targets because, you know, Josh Allen's going to have a field day, it seems like, right now. On the offensive side of things, you saw once James Robinson goes down, this team is different. Yeah. And let's be honest here. If we're talking about Derrick Henry, like, if, if your team's workhorse, if your team's running back goes down and you depend on him, that's going to have a direct reflect how the game's going to turn. Absolutely. Okay? Are you game plan for that guy Of in course. Yeah. Of course. At the same time, though, we've seen now, and we've learned at least from that game, that Trevor can't do it himself. And Trevor can't elevate the team by himself. Now, you need guys like LaVisca Chenault to have catches and not drop passes and all that stuff. But this team is to the point right now when they lose their star player in James Robinson, you don't have enough talent or you don't have just the quarterback to elevate the play. So that's an issue as well. This is, once again, where coaching comes in. Where if you have deficiencies someplace, you got to have a scheme or calls that make up for those deficiencies. And right now, we're not seeing that from the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball as well.
0: Let's stay on defense side. We'll get to the offense in a moment. Uh, defense, I had this question. Okay, we knew the mismatch going in was DK Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett. Those guys are really good, okay? They're tough for anybody in the league. They're fantastic. <laughs> I, I actually thought Shaq Griffin, again, played pretty well. I mean, uh, for he him, up two touchdowns. But. He, I know, but the one was like, he got mossed on it, basically, right? I mean, it was a it was a heck of a catch. Sure. I mean, that happens in the NFL. Sometimes you make a good play. Sometimes, I, I just feel like overall, I have mean, a hard time. Shaq Griffin, overall, I think has done a pretty good job. He's getting no help. I mean, Tyson Campbell, whatever else. But beyond that, I, th- this was a day that I'm not really giving a, hey, you played great to anybody for the Jags. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Allen had a couple of sacks. So what, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. What I want to ask you though, if we knew that going in, in their first ten completions were to those two guys. Could they have done anything to bracket those guys game plan to take one of them away, you know, uh, force the issue and force the hand of Geno Smith. uh, And I mean, make Freddie Swain beat you make the tight end beat you. I just have a major problem with I knew going in as not an X is an football guy who's never coached it or played it that those two guys were the only mismatch on the field really on paper Hmm. uh, in this game. And they did nothing to stop it. Like, all Gino Smith did was go, okay, drop back, boom, Tyler. Drop Mm -hmm. back, DK. Tyler, 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 DK, Tyler, DK. It's like, that's all he threw the ball to. Mm -hmm. Like, how could they have done something to, (laughs) whether it's a bracket coverage, whether it's shade coverage, whether it's whatever, to Mm -hmm. take those guys away? Or did they just flat out not have the
1: personnel to be able to take those guys away? I mean, you don't really have the personnel out of the slot and that's where Tyler Lockett makes his money, and that's where a lot of these receivers that have played this team this year have made their money. It's out of the slot because you just don't have the talent right now from that position. I think from the overall optic of it, if you're not getting home in terms of pass rushing, we haven't seen a lot of pass rushing in terms of interior pressure. Um, you mentioned Josh Allen did have a, a much better day today. That was great to see him finally get home. It didn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things, nah. and and those two quarterback sacks get g- kind of lost in translation, if you will. Yeah, one save, But it's points. not yeah, but but it's it's just it's a loss because you're it's not enough. It's and you saw the reverse side of that in Seattle's defense. But once again, defensive line does not scare me from Seattle. Carlos Dunlop might be older than I am, okay? Carlos Dunlop has a lot of um, tread on those tires, and he was having a a hell of a day against an offensive line that, let's be honest, a lot of us have praised the past couple weeks. Dunlop just knocked another one down, in fact. No, for sure. So when you don't have the pressure, whether it's manufacturers, rushing four guys, when you have the personnel in the secondary that just isn't up to par with who you're going against, that wide receiver, that's a combination for a disaster. And, And that's exactly what we saw yesterday. Yeah, I I get it.
0: I get the pressure and and the lack thereof. Um, I just felt like I knew what they were going to do and they can't stop it. Well, when you know what they're going to do and you can't stop it, I mean, that's a mismatch. It's it's too much of a mismatch in the NFL. I get it. The Jags defense isn't that good. But, I mean, you know what they're going to do. Uh, This is even different than Derrick Henry. You know what they're going to do. You know, (laughs) like nobody is even trying to run right now against the Jags, and I wouldn't. You know, I mean, Josh Allen's going to come in here and throw it 45, 50 times. Uh, Well, he might not have to. I mean, they might be taking a knee by the end of the third quarter. Because do keep this in mind, and this is where the Jags have to look themselves in the mirror and be honest. And I I thought Trevor Lawrence actually said it best. He's like, we got to watch the tape. we got to be honest with ourselves. But I'm not talking about his side of the ball. I'm talking about the other side of the ball. If Urban Meyer is going to stand on that podium after the game Mm -hmm. and tell me that they only had like 79 yards of defense in the second half, if Josh Allen's going to stand on that podium and say, well, if you look at the stats in, in the second half, I mean, we've, we did a pretty good job. If Miles Jack's going to say, hey, if we had a turnover in that game, game might be a little bit different. You guys are lying to yourself. No, that wouldn't been different. They decided not to do anything in the second half. They ran the clock down like they were just trying to get out of dodge. Yeah. Like in the third quarter, they, Pete Carroll probably because he knew everybody on that staff, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to get any of his own guys hurt. We're like, let's call off the dogs. We don't need to do anything here, all right? So let's just get out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. So please, Jags, on that trip home, after you hit the podium and the mic, I hope you realize that's what they did, because everybody else in the NFL realizes that's what they did. Mm-hmm. And, and they, Geno Smith could have thrown for 300-and-something yards and four touchdowns if they wanted to. <laughs> All right, they just didn't want to. Tyler Lockett could have beat me in fantasy with twenty-four catches, mm-hmm. probably if he wanted to. Oh, All right, man. and so they have got to know that. And I don't know what you do, but it's their job to fix it and find it and, and whatever else they have to do. Uh, but but don't lie to yourself, because that's going to just you're just you're in denial then yeah. if that's the case. And uh, they got absolutely whooped, and they would have got whooped in the second half even more uh, if uh, Seattle wanted to.
1: Yeah. Casey and I did an exercise to start off the show. I think it was on Monday, Casey, where I talked about, you know, what I want to see out of the bye week and going to Seattle mm-hmm. is how much confidence do we have in the rookies and how much confidence do we have going forward when it's the 2020, 2022 draft, excuse me, how we can say, okay, well, we're fine at this position. We're fine at that position. We're all good here. Tight end, I would say we're probably okay. Can we all agree on that one? Dan Arnold had a, an okay game. Yeah. We okay with that? Yeah. Sure. How are we feeling about corner right now? Awful. How are you feeling about Tyson Campbell right now? Terrible. Awful. Okay. How are you feeling about defensive line right now? Terrible. Awful. Okay. And I didn't even mentioned the offense part, keep in mind. How are you feeling about safety right now? I don't even know they're playing. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. How are you feeling about safety right now?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I honestly don't even notice. Like yesterday, sure. I didn't even notice the safeties. I mean, I, I, yeah. it was the first play you were talking about because I saw the first play of the game, and you. I think you mentioned Chase on, but. If you go back and watch the first play of the game yesterday, mm-hmm. Jenkins comes up, because I, I rewound it. I mm-hmm. think it was the first play of the game, pretty sure. Jenkins comes up on what looks like a blitz
1: mm-hmm.
0: of some sort, mm-hmm. and then just, like, stops. Mm-hmm. Might not have been the first play. It might have been just a play in there, but Jenkins comes up from the safety spot. They brings some pressure, and it's like he got st- the right tackle, whoever he was... Blocking. Yeah. They all just kind of came together, and he just stopped. I'm like, well, what was the point of that? i yeah. <laughs> like, what's the point of just stopping? Yeah, I'd yeah. have to find you the play to tell you. But anyway, that was the only time. That and the taunting play was the only time I, met, I saw them. I don't even remember Wingard. Oh, I remember Wingard. Hands up. Yeah. You, you know the one play? It, this is what's great. We're going to do this tonight on Jags Report Live. And again, this is why this was such a problem again. 12 men on the field, then 12 men call a timeout. Right, back to back plays. Mm-hmm. Then later, did you see Archuleta, who I thought was terrible on the broadcast, quite frankly? But oh, uh, <laughs> nice. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you can if you're going to tell me 12 minutes later, you still can't tell me if it's Tavon Austin's fault or you think it's uh, uh, Trevor's fault on the interception. Like, yeah. they didn't even bring that up. Like, it took me forever to, like, that's the play. Whose fault was that, right? I mean, do we know, though? Well, we don't, but he didn't even bring up Tavon Austin. He's like, oh. that was a bad throw, terrible right. throw. It's like, dude, we all saw that the route got cut off in some way, shape, or form. Anyway, yeah. I, I just had my issues with Archuleta yesterday. I thought he was Apparently. pretty average. But anyway, the one good thing he did was the Jags are, there's about six players on this specific play. It's with, like, ten minutes to go in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. About six players with their hands up, pointing in other directions, Mm -hmm. and they get a first down on like a six-yard pass play. Seattle does. Mm -hmm. Then on the replay, Archuleta did a really good job of showing the tight end leak-free. Now you might have been trick-or-treating at this time. No, I mean I I went back and watched the whole game. But he draws draws the yellow arrow. I don't know if you guys remember that. But the Scott-free man going down the middle, like Russell Wilson would have hit him. Yeah. Geno Smith didn't see him, so. That just shows you, like, we didn't notice. I mean, good thing Letter brought it up, but he's like, if you just see how many people oh, yeah. are, are confused, I don't know how you can get that confused. That's, by the way, where I remember Andrew Winger, his arms were up in the air, like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. If you're that confused on defense, how can you have so many guys confused on defense? And I'll say this lastly again to go on coaching. Call a damn timeout if you're that confused because it would have been a touchdown. Yeah. With any other quarterback, most likely it's a touchdown. So, how do you not call timeout in that situation if you've got six guys looking at each other like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> no, know? no, I hate you. So, uh, we're going to break that play down on Jags Report Live tonight, seven o'clock on Fox 30. But it's just, uh, it's, it was a mess, man. It was a mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got people ask me, why are you so negative? Oh, what's the matter? Are you all right with all this tweeting? I'm like, what do you want me to tweet positive about that last? like? You has got to walk away from it, man. There was nothing to hang your hat on yesterday for the Jacksonville Jaguars.
2: Dan Arnold. I have something positive. If you're interested time in start. that, it has nothing <laughs> to do with the Jags. It is November 1st. Do you know what that means? Austin Lane. Like, uh, Sorry, sister's no birthday. shame. Happy no birthday, shame. Brent's sister. No shame, November? No, nah, it has to do with certain apps that may be eligible to people in Florida now. Oh, man. Are, are, are we live? I just downloaded a certain app.
1: Oh wow, we're, we're live. There's certain apps now you can start um mm. placing some, you know. I wow. don't know I some don't know wagers. if they all
2: work, but I got the email that one specific one works and during that segment downloaded it, have it and um
0: I'd oh, there you go. That's yeah. great to have some positivity in my life.
2: Scorpio season, <laughs> how
1: to lose money. Nice, man. How to lose money? <laughs> yeah, yeah, with, with your, with your, with your pitch, your that's a good point.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We still have to talk about the offense. So, was that a regression day for Trevor, or does he just have no help right now? We'll be back on ESPN 690.
1: Yeah, yeah, the angle. Um, and me and Tavon talked about it. It's one of those, just thought he was going to go flatter. Um, something that we had, you know, we talked a little bit about. And maybe we just need to, that's one thing, communication is so important in this game. And um, regardless of, of what happened, we've got to be on the same page. Stuff like that can't happen, whether or not it's the, the throw, the route, whatever. Um, that just can't happen. You know, we, we're driving, and I think we were down by seven, and we're driving and on the 50-yard line, and then get the turnover. Like that, you know, kills our defense and the momentum that we had. So uh, we got to, stuff like that we got to fix. And like I said, but that's all of us. You know, it's me me included, and um, we, we got to get better.
0: i tell you, thank goodness for that kid. Still love Trevor Lawrence. Every time he talks at the podium, I feel better. Mm. I mean, he kind of says it how it is. And, listen, I don't think he was very good yesterday. I mean, I think he looked out of sync, out of sorts. Uh, I think the mental clock was ticking. I'll tell you the one play why I don't think Trevor Lawrence looked that good. Uh, the... Well, I'll give you two reasons why. One, there wasn't really an oh wow play for the first time in his career in Jacksonville. Maybe the throw to Marvin Jones, you could say that was a pretty good throw, actually. Or <laughs> Marvin dropped it. Yeah, uh, it was good. That was a good throw. Now, I mean, did a the, no, did you
1: see the, you know, for sure. Did you see the, the Mike White highlights, though? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just making sure. So,
0: I, I don't think we saw a lot of wow, right? And for the, mm-hmm. we usually, even like Houston, it was a bad performance. Denver wasn't a great performance, but there was still a player to you like, holy cow, right? Yeah. I mean, just didn't really see that. But I think the play that sums up his day and how out of sync he was, and this was a big play at the time. If you wanted one last chance for the Jags, they come out of the gates in the third quarter, they actually get a Geno Smith sack. Mm-hmm. They have them on the run. They went backwards on that drive. They they force a punt, and they get the ball in, like, the 45-yard line of Seattle, down 17-0. Now, listen, I'm not thinking they're coming back, but now you get a chance to at least have a better second half, make it a game, put a little scare into them, right? Well, they go first down, second down, third down, end up at fourth and three, and they rightfully so. They go for it. On fourth and three, he's got a pocket now, and he's got a chance to jump up in the pocket and... There's nobody there. I thought he should have run for the first down. Now, it's easy for me to say from my couch. But he gets the first down if he runs. Instead, he skips it into... I don't know if that was Jones or or Chennault. That's the first time I've seen him skip a ball. You know, it just showed, like, his footwork, his decision-making, his confidence level of sticking it in there was a little off. And I think that play, to me, summed up kind of his day. He just had a lack of confidence in his receivers, everything going on around him. I thought the clock was a little quicker, and I think the best word to use is, like, sink. He was out of sync, and that fourth and three play, that was it, right? That was the game. Like, if you had a chance to come back, you had to complete that, go down and score, uh, and that was it. So that was kind of the play to me that, that summed up Trevor Lawrence's, probably one of his ugliest looking days of his career so far.
1: Yeah, to me, it was just, it was the demeanor and the confidence in the pocket. Because he just he just didn't have that now. They got off to a rough start once again with, with drop passes. Yep. And you know, I mean if we're being fair though, the the one to LaVisca right away, I mean, yeah, it was a little low. Like it, yeah. it wasn't the most perfect pass. It wasn't. You know, LaVisca still has to catch that ball, but like even those, you know, throws, it's like, well, usually Trevor, I think brings those up a little bit and they're yeah. they're more catchable. You just you saw a guy yesterday who didn't seem confident, didn't seem poised. And that, in, that like the eternal clock was a little mixed up, and that was something that I was really, you know, positive about the, the whole year for for a rookie quarterback, and able to stand in there and kind of knowing that internal clock's gonna go off and kind of get out of the pocket and make a play. He's been great with that all year, and that's helped the offensive line out as well because coming into that Seattle game, we praise just how well the blocking in terms of pass blocking was for the Jaguars' offensive line. Well, now that's out the window as well. Yeah. So it was just. From a confidence standpoint, from a poise stand, uh, standpoint, from just an, an overall aesthetic, it just did not look like Trevor was comfortable yesterday. Nah, and I, th- I think they, they were poor in the blocking,
0: uh, even in the first half, before everything got out. I, I understand the you have enough people around the NFL over the years that tell you if you throw it 51, 54 times and they know you're you're going to, to throw the ball, it's really hard to block. So mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still think... They were bad. This was a bad game for the offensive line. Uh, it was again. It looked a little Houston-esque, where everything was kind of was sped up. Uh, but the Houston game might have been because they threw it 51 times. This was right off the jump. Like I, I, I just think Pete Carroll and Seattle knew if they this was their season. They were 0 and 3 at home. They played with more energy. They played with more get off. The Jags looked lethargic. They looked slow. And even in the trenches, they looked that way. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't think Seattle really would dominate in the trenches like on any given day against the Jags. I, I don't think they're that much better than them in the trenches. I think on this day they were that much better uh, than them. So, but I agree with you, man. I think I think the. Sink was off for Trevor. Uh, now listen, offensive line has to play better. They really do, and Lavisca has to catch that ball. They're down seven to nothing, and it's third and two. And you just know the, the if if you put your defense back out on the field, things are not good on that defense. Like you don't nobody has confidence in the defense. This was an offensive game. They needed to dictate play. They needed to keep up. They needed, I thought, to get ahead. Quite frankly, and to drop that ball on third and two, and then I'll even piggyback it with it was a decent punt by Logan Cook and Rudy Ford, who you signed to be a a special teams ace, whiffs on the ball at like the six-yard line. Like they should have downed it inside the 10, and he whiffed on it. And then it was like, then they went down and all the rest of it. So I just think, uh, I mean, Marvin Jones has been really good for the Jags. He missed the one on third and 16. I mean, that sequence, Austin, was third and one, they get a holding call. Third and 11 they get a false start. Third and 16, I mean he gets drilled right in the mug and puts it right on the money for for Marvin Jones after the first down sticks and he spikes it into the ground on the catch like he just yeah. totally missed it. And so I mean those show they got to make plays around him and, and they really have to do a better job. and that's been a common theme. Did you see the stat? They said, I didn't realize the stat was so big. They have 11 drop passes this year on third down. 11. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've only played seven games. I mean, that's your job is to catch the ball, and we know he throws a pretty good ball. I understand it might not have been perfect yesterday, but he throws a lot of good balls, man. Yeah. Uh, so, and Lavisca's confidence has to be a little shot because he's starting to drop balls these last few weeks, and they're not involving him in the offense.
1: hmm You know what's wild? And, okay, all that stuff, I agree. And also, the penalties, we talk about this Jaguars team was a little uncharacteristic. You know right now who are the least penalized teams in the NFL? Probably two of the worst teams in the NFL. The least penalized teams? Yeah. No. The least penalized teams would be the Rams, the Bengals, the Packers, the Colts, the Broncos. So now, I mean, you want to take top three, Rams, Cincinnati, was good until the Jets yesterday, and then Green Bay. Okay. Okay. What do those teams have in common? Right now, they're at the top of their divisions. Yeah. They're, they're at the top of their respective conferences because that's what great teams do. Great teams don't find ways to lose ball games in terms of you know, penalties. Now, I think with Aaron Rodgers, yeah, if it's a false start here or if it's a miscommunication here, they're like, that's fine. Aaron Rodgers can get away with a couple offensive pass interferences here because he's that great of a quarterback. They can overcome those types of things. Two years ago, the Kansas City Chiefs led the league in penalty yards. But guess what? You had Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. It didn't matter. Your offense was so explosive, you're going to make up for that. This team right now, on top of everything we just talked about, cannot afford to have over 10 penalties a game. It, it simply cannot. It, it can. It, there is no way. I'm not sure what the percentages are of when this team has over 10 penalties a game the past four or five years. But I guarantee the percentage is very low in terms of winning.
0: Well, and that's been that's up for them though. They have that's has not been a problem. But keep that stat up for a second. Where, no, so where are
1: the Jags? So right, I mean, before that game they were 19th. Now they're going to go up a little bit. Okay. So. Who's the bottom? Give me the bottom four teams. Uh, we got Tampa Bay, Philly, Las Vegas, Dallas.
0: Yeah. So, three out of the four worst teams at penalties are three of the four best teams in the league. And have the best offenses in the league, though. I know. I'm that just can, uh,
1: That can make
0: up for it. They can make up for it. Yeah. So uh, it's just it's not just like a slam Chiefs dunk. It's not, yeah, Chiefs have done that. Yeah. Seattle over the years has actually done that, too, highly penalized teams. Mm-hmm. It's a weird stat. The, the penalties are a weird stat. Uh, and overall, I don't think the Jags look that undisciplined. Their penalties, a lot of times, come from lining up. And, and the two, uh, the well, two passes. I mean, I mean lining up way. is
1: undisciplined. <laughs> like that, that's as oh, undisciplined yeah. as it, well, case, I as I it comes. More, I feel like that's more communication and yeah, oh, detail I mean, and yeah, discipline. But um, I mean, I feel like if you have twelve guys in the huddle, that's probably the most undisciplined play in football because yeah. you, you guys can't even count properly. Well, I also think. Are they getting the play in too late? I wonder
0: if that's an issue because that's what it felt like was an issue in week one against Houston. We talked mm-hmm. about it, the offensive penalties. But it was like, are you getting the play in? Because nobody knows what what to do. Uh, let me ask you one more guy. Juwan Taylor has been inconsistent at best during his career. Did you notice yesterday, or was it just me, uh, that it looked like he almost like was false starting on every play? Mm-hmm. Does that show a lack of confidence as an offensive lineman? You used to go against offensive linemen. Well, when a guy's coming out of the shoot quick, and by the way, I'm not saying he did, I think he was just anticipating as quickly as possible to get get ready. I mean, is that a common Whoa. thing or is that because he's has a lack of confidence, he feels like he's getting beat by Carlos Dunlap and he better get as early as a start as he can.
1: So it was one of two things. Either he's getting a little flustered with the crowd noise, which I'm not sure. I mean, I wasn't at the game, so I don't know how crazy that yeah. crowd noise was. Or it's the fact that Carl Dunlop was beating with speed, and he was trying to get the advantage. I mean, you know, the, the, there's games that offensive linemen can play um, in terms of trying to find a little competitive advantage when they feel like a defensive lineman is, you know, getting the best of them, per se, and that might have been one of those cases right there.
0: Yeah, I, I just—it was, int- was very noticeable to me, and that's a good call, by the way, on the, on the crowd noise. You're in a place where it is a little bit louder, and so— anticipating stuff and being able to get ready and be, I just felt like to me it was, I wonder when you see, if you're going against him and you see him coming off quick, does that do anything from your mentality as a pass rusher? Like was Carlos Dunlap like I'm in this guy's head a little bit.
1: Um, I mean, if if that's the case then, and if, I mean, Joe Thomas, who I went against a couple of times considered, you know, one of the best of left tackles in NFL history, Joe Thomas, I've told the story before a little bit, but he always did a great job of keeping you guessing. Right, because as an offensive line, sometimes you get, you get complacent, and it's almost like you're reacting to what the defensive lineman does. Joe Thomas never did that. There would be one time where I'm rushing, all of a sudden Joe Thomas, he, he, he jumps at you. Because, like he, he, you know, there's, it's timing. It's like a dance, right? So it's like one step, two step, three steps, pass rush. Well, one time I'd be, okay, one step, oh. Now Joe Thomas is knocking me on my back after one step. <laughs> yeah. And, and, he, and he was famous for doing that because he always disrupted the flow. He never let you get comfortable. Pass rushing, it's all, it's all about comfort. It's all about finding that flow, yeah. finding that rhythm. Joe Thomas never let you do that. Now, John Taylor is nowhere near the level right now of Joe Thomas where he has the confidence to try to jump set somebody, go out to somebody like that. So what he has to do is try to get, gain those extra inches anywhere he can by maybe getting off a little sooner. It's a little bit like a pitcher and a
0: base dealer. You mix up your delivery, and then you you hold it. And uh, so that's what he was doing, like, to you in that instance. And I I just noticed it yesterday that, man, I felt like he was getting back there as quick as he can uh, just to – maybe that was a confidence thing. We'll see. The – I mean, the Jags offensive line just was not good. (laughs) I mean, it just wasn't good. Nothing was good. Nope. Yesterday. That's – that's the big takeaway, of course. Uh, hey, big news in the on the injury front today. Jameis Winston, uh, Derrick Henry, what does that mean for these teams? Their playoff chances, all the rest. It would be nice to be able to say, what does it mean for the AFC South? But in Jacksonville, it doesn't matter uh, what it means for the AFC South. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, around the NFL and uh, more about this Jags football team. Will it get better? It can't get much worse than that on Sunday. We'll be back. Action Sports jacks on ESPN 690.
1: Just disappointed. Obviously, we got to play better. we got to prepare better. And, and uh, I didn't see that coming. I saw a good week of practice. And guys freshened up from a bye week. And we got down 14-0. And we got out of a, you know, we're, we're not built to th- just be a throw team. And we got out of the run game. And and, uh, and then the penalties were nonsense. You know, we just, I don't know if it was a noise or what, what was the problem. But uh, we just got to get that corrected.
0: That is Urban Meyer. I refuse to believe that Urban Meyer's not a good coach or anything like that, okay? But I do think we have to acknowledge when, well, just like a few weeks ago, he we messed up and from the team plane to the incident in Columbus, Ohio. But we have to acknowledge when, when it goes really sideways. And this was a sideways game for him mm-hmm. and his staff, and he's in charge of the staff. He's the face of it. Mm-hmm. He went really sideways in Houston. And I also think we've given them credit along the way for these baby steps uh, of a team that doesn't have a ton of talent and the growth of a quarterback that looks like they're doing. So they, they've made some major mistakes even in other losses, but they've also shown some good things. I think we've been very honest about the coaching staff. This was a bad performance by the coaching staff and the organization and details surprised me. I don't know if I'm wrong about that on Urban because I just have this life philosophy that if you are super successful like he was in college that you are most likely buttoned up organized detailed you communicate well all those things like i think it's very hard to have the success he had in college and not have those qualities now you could argue with me that hey brent he had five star five star five star five star five star five star he had better players (laughs) all right in college you can do that i just refuse to believe that but the houston game and this game show me a sense of disorganization that I didn't think I'd see
1: mm-hmm. under Urban Meyer yeah um, y- you mentioned something and, and I've echoed you before on this but I think it, it at least merits bringing up a- again here because you mentioned the lack of talent which I agree with you now where they look on paper yes this team is lacking talent but why was it when in free agency when the draft hit we weren't talking about lack of talent when they got guys like Travis Etienne, Walker Little, Cisco, we weren't Tyson Campbell. We weren't saying like, oh, well, these guys. I mean, are they going to contribute right away? Like, yeah, we were a little turned off by the idea that he drafted a running back in the first round. Now, to his, you know, to his fairness, he got hurt, so yeah, you, yeah. you can't really base that draft pick this year because well, he didn't play in a game. So we have no idea how Travis Etienne is going to be. And they'd be better with him, I would think. You would hope so. Walker Little, Cisco, um, you know, to be determined. When they brought in guys like Roy Robertson-Harris, Shaq Griffin, Rayshawn Jenkins, Jihad Ward, we didn't have the narrative of, well, that's not enough. Like, is this team going to be that talented? Can this team compete? At least I didn't have that narrative. I don't think you have that narrative. I don't think anybody had that narrative when, after free agency, after the draft, they were sitting here saying, well, they're, they're lacking talent. We did not have that narrative. Now, I mean, do you disagree? No, I don't think so. I think we had higher hopes for Malcolm guys like Brown, Robert Robertson, Harris, yeah. Malcolm, Malcolm Brown. Yeah. So then now we're sitting here, you know, whatever seven, eight weeks after the fact of the regular season, and this is where we go to now. This is where we go to and say, well, this team needs more. We need better players. Well, I guess whose fault is that then? Because we were fine when these players came in here, and now we're almost halfway through the season, and now it's like, well, no, this team's not talented enough. So does that fall more on coaching? Or is it more of the underperforming of the player? Uh,
0: probably uh, talent evaluation in the offseason. Okay. And probably a little bit of underperforming on the player. Okay. Um, but I think, well, and really all three, because development as a coach is part of what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Um, I mean, definitely ride the fence a little harder, though. You know, I mean, wh- wh- which one would you say it's more? I think they.
0: Swung. I, I think they have swung and missed okay. on more than they've hit. Okay. Uh, Roy Robertson-Harris is doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Andre Sisco has not played, mm-hmm. and he can't beat out Wingard. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to look like you did yesterday, can you please play Sisco? And Wingard, by the way, if fans don't like him, he ain't
1: even playing that bad. So the, the, the point that I'm trying to drive home from my uh, perspective is this. These players got paid money for a reason. Because they're coming from their respective teams and they had good showings. Malcolm Brown did good in New Orleans. Robinson Harris did good in Chicago. Why is it when they come here now, they're struggling? Yeah. Maybe they were surrounded by better players in that environment.
0: Chicago was very good defensively. The Saints were very good. Maybe they weren't singularly as good as they were playing. Kind of like Josh Allen since, Mm. you know, Jan and Calais left. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. By the way, I tweeted 30-something times during the game yesterday. Only one positive tweet. It was about James Robinson before he got hurt. (laughs) I'll do better. Sunshine and Rainbows will return soon enough. And we'll return on ESPN 690.